face, behold him shedding drops of blood upon the ground. Who is this despised, rejected, mocked, insulted, beaten, bound? Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches, and to equip the next generation so they glorify Jesus in even greater ways than we did. My name is Jeff Ludington. I'm here with Stephen Shaw. We are pastors at Generations Church. Stephen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) It is cold. California cold. Doesn't really qualify as cold (laughs) everywhere else, but it's California cold. Yep. All right. Well, hey, here's what we're doing right now. This is our Who Is This podcast series, and I'm always looking for creative ways to teach through holiday messages. I feel like people come on Christmas and Easter, and they get these two messages over and over again, so I want to find unique ways to approach, to approach those messages. You know, they're always called, they're called CEOs, right? CEOs, yes, Christmas yes. and Creasters. Yeah, Creasters <laughs> is what I went with, all right? Well, Stephen, you introduced me to this song. It's called Who Is This So We Can Help Us? Uh, written in the late mid, mid to late 1800s by William Walsham Howe. Uh, tell us more about that song. When I first heard this song, uh, a more contemporary version of it, because there is a very traditional version of it, which is actually way darker than the contemporary. Um, <laughs> I think I would like that one better. But Probably. Um, I, I like how the ver- they, they do a great job as the, the question is, is, is kind of dark, and then the answer is glorious, and even the vibe of the song takes that. And so as I worked my own kind of little vibe into it. It's just always been a very powerful song. And unfortunately, we usually only play it around Christmas, but we really should just play it all year because it's sure. a great just educational song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Who Is This is our theme, theme song um, for this Christmas season. It's just so rich biblically, and it's a question and answer thing, which we talk about every week. Um, and we pl- we've been playing it every week, uh, but it's the question of who is this lowly, even less than ordinary little baby, but he is actually God. And even as a man, the Bible says he was nothing special, but he is actually God. Yeah. And so who is this? Why has he come? And the answering, the only answer, the correct answer is he is God. So that's how we're breaking this down. We're doing a podcast every Tuesday and then our messages and worship on Sunday, breaking down the themes in this song. And so we took the lyrics in this song and paired them with the scriptural passages that they were written from the message they were given. And so throughout December, this is our Advent series, asking the question, who is this? And so what are our lyrics this week that we're going to work on? Who is this? Behold him shedding drops of blood upon the ground. Who is this? Despised, rejected, mocked, insulted, beaten, bound. Um, As we covered this last week, this theme um, of Jesus, many titles in the Bible, and one of them, though, is Man of Sorrows. As much as the cross was a terrible moment, in fact, the worst and most evil thing ever done in the history of mankind, um, but Christ's life was no picnic either. He was sacrificed for his children, and he sacrificed a lot for his children. Hmm. Now, we've used this passage before, and this is, I I mean, it's such a rich passage anyways, uh, but in Isaiah 53, we see this, and we we used it, I, I guess it was two episodes ago with the Man of Sorrows, but... Uh, Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed what he's heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, talking about Jesus long before Jesus was born, right? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, why is this? Because that is the most un-Christmas-like <laughs> verse ever. Like, why is this so important that we talk about it during Christmas time? Because Jesus isn't safe. Okay. Let me explain. Jesus came to this world for many reasons, but one of them was to teach us what love and action looks like. But Christ was king. He came to forgive mm -hmm. sinners, yes. But what's the flip side of that? He is condemning unrepentant sinners. He will come back for judgment one day. There will be an eternal separation from God for those who reject what Christ came and accomplished. Like we've said before, we want to get a, we want to get a full picture of Christ, not just the safe and happy birth of Christ, um, which we see wasn't that safe or pretty either, but it was right. beautiful and needed. You know, in the on Sundays in, in our on our podcast, I've mentioned this, and so I brought it in here. So if you are <laughs> listening to this as a podcast, um, we also do this on YouTube, and so there's a video version of this, and, and on YouTube you can see this. There is a, a bear nativity scene in the center of the table, and uh, it is something. Now, it's mine. I own it. I actually like it. My wife and I go to Big Bear uh, each Christmas, and... This nativity scene is something I always take with us and set up there just for fun, right? And, but it's this. It's when we think of the Christmas story, the nativity scene, the manger scene, right? When we think of that, we have made it so tame. We've made it so commercial, right? Like literally made out of bears, right? And so <laughs> if you can't see this, man, there's three bear magi. There's a little Joseph and Mary bear, an angel and a shepherd bear, a little Jesus bear in the manger even saying it out loud, I admit, man, I'm a little ashamed of myself. But I like it, man. Uh, the it it is it's a, our little big bear manger scene. But that is not the story, right? That can point to a piece of the story, but that's not the story. But see, as followers of Christ, though, it's it's nice we get to have a somewhat more of a warm and safe representative of yeah. what happened, right? He yeah. was our saving King that came and saved us, made a way, right? Isaiah 53 continues, Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. So how do we possibly, right, those of us that know the story, right, how do we possibly miss or even misunderstand by just kind of staying to the traditional Christmas nativity story. Because I think it's way easier to stick with the bare manger scene <laughs> than to face the facts. Right. Because our self-willed, broken relationship with God, this had to be something that happened. Right. And God being good and loving worked out this story in a way that was so humble and powerful all at the same time that only God could pull it off. Mm. Isaiah continues, verse 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is kind of the root of the gospel here. This is why this, this story needs to be told completely, right? And, you know, front to back. It's because we all need this. When we look at the little bear major scene, right, and we look at that, it's pretty tame. That doesn't tell me I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, <laughs> right? But Isaiah doesn't miss that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. And he says it again, everyone to his own way. And the mm -hmm. Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So again, all of us, every one of us, sinful. And it says the Lord God, right, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Mm -hmm. 
The story has to turn to my need for a savior. My need for a savior flows out of the fact that I, I am sinful, right? Isaiah continues, says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to a slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. You can't have this passage be true without Jesus shedding drops of blood, like the song says, right? He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. Yeah. I'm always stunned and I always seem to forget how quiet Jesus is all the way up to the beginning, humble and lowly till the end, just like a lamb. Um, Jesus was our lamb. He is the lamb of God. Mm. Jesus is always working in a way to fulfill prophecy, teach us something, and just show how powerful he is. That's good. Wow. So... That's Isaiah. It's the Old Testament. We love the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament? Where do we get some of this in the New Testament? Yeah, I, I was surprised to find that the most repeated use of uh, rejection in reference to Jesus, um, it actually starts in the Old Testament. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Mm. Now, what I was surprised to find in this is that when Jesus uses this passage, and, and three out of the four Gospels quote this, um, then lots of gospel authors then quote it again. But the context was surprising for me. It's uh, at the end of a pretty harsh parable. That's the setting in which Jesus quotes this verse about himself. So Mark 12, 1 through 11, when Jesus tells this parable, he says, A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and drug a pit and dug a pit for the wind press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get, to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Man. This parable talks about a man who owns a vineyard, right? He does everything that it takes to make it profitable and good, right? He sets in motion a good vineyard, and he leaves others to work it. Now, in the parable, the man is referring to God, right? The image right there of that man and the, and the, and the vineyard is God. The vineyard would be humanity, right? And the servants he left entrusted to work the vineyard and keep the vineyard were the people of God. And, and it was specific to them. They were left entrusted with the message of God. The people of God are supposed to take the message of God. And really, that would become the fruit of this vineyard. And it starts out pretty tame. And it takes a crazy turn. It says, when the harvest comes, the man sends someone to collect. So God sends someone to collect the fruit, right? But they beat him instead of giving him what the owner is due. That escalated quickly. It did. It got fast. The verse <laughs> continues. Again, he sent them another servant, and they struck him in, on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, so they beat, and some they killed. You know, this is a reference to all those Old Testament prophets and, and all that came to tell God's people where they were falling short. Even fast forward into the front end of the Gospels with John the Baptist, right? And the prophet that breaks those 400 years of silence. And what happens to him? They kill him, right? People that should have been connected to God hear the message of their need to repent, their need to, uh, to be saved from their sin, and God's messengers are all beaten and killed. Mm -hmm. You know, consider Isaiah the prophet we were just reading about, right? He's telling about Jesus to come, about a Savior, a Savior we all need. In the beginning of Isaiah, though, he tells a story of a rotten vineyard, a wild vineyard. It's chapter 5, and it's, it's the same thing. It's the same message 800 years earlier that, hey, the, the people of God have completely been corrupted, and they've lost the message of God. Yeah. 
And the story continues with the true picture of Christ. He still uh, had another, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. The inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out in the vineyard. All right, we get to the son. <laughs> of course, that's a reference to Jesus. They wanted to kill him and figured that would be the end of that. The gospel doesn't let that be the end, though. When Jesus dies, he resurrects. He comes back. He's God. He is God entered into human flesh, right? You can't kill him and keep him dead. He gave his life, but you can't take it, right? And that sets us up for the end of the parable. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So there's a full quote from, uh, from Psalm 118, right? The stone that the builders rejected become the cornerstone. Jesus has become the centerpiece of our faith. He says, and it is marvelous in our eyes, quoting the psalmist, right? The entire purpose of this parable is to get to that psalm reference of the rejection of Jesus. He says that before they kill him. He tells them, listen, you beat and killed all the prophets. You're going to end up killing me too. But me, the one you reject, I'm going to be the cornerstone. And they're just missing out. Hmm. Now, before we start recording, you had mentioned something to me, and I asked you to hang on till, till the end, right? And so can you, can you kind of tell us what you thought was so important about the lyrics today? Yeah, so when we hear the words of this song, we're looking back on Christ appropriately. Mm -hmm. But we still see this happening today. Christ is still despised, rejected, mocked, insulted, and bound, especially bound. Most of the time when people are talking about Jesus, they're talking about a different Jesus. Mm. They put Jesus in a box. They've made up their own version of Jesus, a safe, bare version of Jesus. Yeah. But we must strive and work towards seeing Christ for who he really is. Because like we said before, answering the question wrong, who is this? has got some grave consequences. Answering it correctly is the most important thing we do. And if we get Jesus wrong, we pretty much get everything else wrong. Yeah, we all have our own tendencies of how we put God or, or particularly Jesus in a box of our own creation, yeah. right? We make God in our image. So we are uh, guilty of being the terrible workers in the parable or the wild, <clears throat> unusable vineyard of Isaiah 5 because we do the same thing. Yeah. And so that's why you and I are doing this. We're pressing into the meaning of Christmas, the why Jesus came, not just how. Well, I want to say thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Again, I'm Jeff Ludington. I'm joined by Stephen Shaw. We release new episodes every Tuesday, and you can join us in person or online every Sunday live at 10 a.m. If you enjoy the podcast, you can help us by subscribing, liking, and sharing, and even writing us a review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, whatever. We're on pretty much every platform. And if you found us today on YouTube or social media, let us know that you're listening by commenting and sharing us with others. Our goal is to share the message of Jesus with all who will listen. 